Welcome to Tales of History and Imagination. Eccentric Tales from History by Simone Whitlock. I need to start this episode with a confession that shouldn't surprise anyone. As a kid, I was crazy for anything remotely Fortean. From teleporting conquistadors to raining frogs, the devil's footprints to spontaneous human combustion, all of that stuff fascinated me. So I was over the moon when New Zealand finally got Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Sunday morning viewings of Mysterious World became a ritual, usually for myself, my brother, and my dad. One week, I remember, was all about cryptids. Strange beasts found in the world's deepest, darkest places. From Deloitte's ape to dinosaurs and much more besides. In one segment, a Belgian fighter pilot named Remy Van Leerd was speaking to news reporters about an unsettling experience in the jungle. In 1959, Van Leerd was stationed in the Belgian Congo. He was flying a helicopter in the Katanga region when he caught sight of a massive snake winding through the jungle. This snake was a monster, an estimated 50 feet long. So a speechless Van Leerd turned the copter round and buzzed the animal as his passenger took photos of the beast. As they drew near, the serpent reared 10 feet up into the air. The beast hissed at them and attempted to strike the copter from the sky. Van Leerd commented the snake's head was huge, a good three feet long, two feet wide. I asked my dad if he thought anyone would take a safari down to the Congo to kill that snake. My dad replied it would be a shame if anyone did. It must have lived a very long time to get so big. It wasn't bothering anyone out there. This magnificent beast deserved better than to be shot and skinned by some wealthy trophy hunter. Now to date, I've yet to come across other stories of this giant. Although it's fair to say many people have claimed all manner of strange beasts lurking in the forests of Africa. One such beast allegedly lived near the Bagradis River, modern-day Tunisia, around 256 BC. Are antagonists in this tale? A legion of Roman soldiers fighting in a war that we have previously talked about. In the mid-3rd century BC, the Roman Republic was in the midst of a long-running war with Carthage. In Hannibal and Bithynia, we touched on the Punic Wars a little. And in our Mafia double feature earlier this year, we did touch on a little bit of Sicilian history. Now, it's easy to get lost in the weeds of the Sicilian conflicts, but everybody wanted Sicily. Ionian and Doric Greek colonizers arrived in Sicily in the 6th century BC and were a destabilizing influence on the island. Carthage's forebears, the Phoenicians, had a colony on the island from the 9th century BC, taking over a large chunk of the island. Over time, the Doric Greek colonizers established an extremely formidable city-state at Syracuse while Ionian Greek states built several smaller settlements. In 485 BC, 
Syracuse made a play to take over the whole island. The Ionian settlements were too small to fight back on their own, so they called on Carthage for protection. Carthage stepped in, fighting several wars against Syracuse. In 306 BC, the Syracusan tyrant, Agathiles, landed an army of 14,000 men in Africa and besieged Carthage itself. This was enough for Carthage to consider making a peace treaty and stepping away from Sicily forever. But ultimately, they chose to hang in there and tough it out. The tide turned in the war and Agathiles was forced to withdraw and sign a peace treaty with Carthage. Now one strategic city everyone wanted was Messana, modern-day Messina, a port city near the border with Italy. It passed back and forth several times between Carthage and Syracuse. Frustrated by the constant to and fro, Agathiles hired a band of Italian mercenaries named the Mamertines to help lock Messana down. When Agathiles died in 289 BC, the Mamertines were told their service was no longer needed, but they ignored these orders and declared Messana theirs. Under the Mamertines, Messana became a pirate's den, to the consternation of several other city-states in the region. Syracuse called on one such neighbour, King Pyrrhus of Epirus, to help them with the Mamertines. The Mamertines, in turn, called on Rome for help. This started the Pyrrhic Wars between the two larger powers. When the dust settled on the Pyrrhic Wars, Pyrrhus lost. His armies won several decisive battles, but the cumulative cost of these victories crippled Epirus. Rome briefly allied with Carthage to annex the pirates of Messana, as everyone agreed those guys had to go. They then made overtures to former enemy, Syracuse, to form an alliance and expel Carthage from Sicily. This sparked the Punic Wars we find ourselves eight years into, in 256 BC. The momentum of the war at that time was well in Rome's favour, so the Senate sent 15,000 men to North Africa under the command of the consul Marcus Attilus Regulus. Their plan was similar to Agathiles in 306 BC. In taking the battle to the Carthaginians, Rome was hoping to deal them a knockout blow. Why wrestle with the snake's tail when you can just cut off its head? Now this tale is not really about that battle, so to sum that one up. They had Carthage on the ropes, who were on the verge of suing for peace. But unreasonable demands from Rome led to Carthage making an extraordinary last-ditch effort. They hired a Spartan mercenary named Xanthippus to lead the fight back. Under Xanthippus's command, Carthage thrashed the Romans at the Battle of Tunis. Only 2,000 Romans of our 14,000 lived to tell the tale of their ignominious defeat. And now we have some context. Let's talk dragons. In 256 BC, Regulus's army landed on a peninsula, now referred to as Cape Bon. From there they cut a path through the wild terrain. On their way to Tunis, they came across several unfriendly villages, cutting a path through them just as easily as they had the jungle. They pushed on through forests and villages, till they reached the Bagratus River, where they set up camp. At this point, several men were sent down to the river, 
to collect drinking water for the camp. Only minutes later, one of the men rushed back to the camp, much the worse for wear. In his mad panic, he told onlookers, as they were gathering water, a monster emerged from the trees. It made quick work of his compatriots, either crushing them to death with its coiling body, or seizing them with its powerful jaws. As he fled, the monster was swallowing the other men whole. A group of armed men were sent down to the river to investigate. They found an unbelievably large serpent, their word, which made quick work of these men too. The beast had no legs, although it was described as having a torso and of propelling itself along on its many rows of ribs. The author, Valerius Maximus, claimed the beast also had a discernible spine. More men arrived and the beast held its ground, striking out at them too. The legionnaires later claimed that they were powerless. Spears bounced off its scaly hide, and that there was no way they were getting close enough to try and stab it to death. The beast smashed and crushed its way through the legion until finally, Regulus arrived with a ballista in tow. A ballista is a bolt thrower similar in design to a giant crossbow. Regulus ordered the ballista throwers to use the weapon to hurl large stones at the beast. Finally, a stone hit the mark, paralyzing the giant. Once immobilized, the army finally moved in with their swords, hacking and stabbing the beast to death. Under the blazing sun, the corpse of the Bagradus dragon soon went off, and the stench soon became so overpowering, Regulus had to relocate their base upwind. He sent a group of men back the following day to skin the animal. The hide was put on display for the general public to wander over for around a century, after which it disappears from the public record. In the second century AD, the Roman poet Sirius Italicus wrote an epic poem on the Punic Wars, which told of the battle with the serpents, a word which can either denote a snake or a dragon. However, he used the more specific dragon, and the legend of a Roman army who battled a dragon was born. While almost certainly not a bona fide dragon, there's every possibility the legion stumbled across a giant python. One may presume the spine-like shapes the creature hobbled along with may have been the corpse of a Roman legionnaire still being digested. Burmese pythons can grow to over 25 feet long. African rock pythons as big as 20 feet have been seen in the wild. The Amazonian green anaconda can get close to 30 feet in length. Now these are all a long way from our 60 foot long monster. And yes, snakeskins can be stretched to make the serpent seem bigger than it was. So this is the most likely scenario. And there are, of course, several classical tales of encounters in the wilds of Africa, with giant snakes of up to 40 feet in length. Then there are fossils of the extinct Titanoboa, from close to 60 million years ago. But of course, that particular monster died off at around that time. And then in 1901, paleontologists did discover a giant snake that roamed throughout North Africa, the Gigantrophus garstini. Now this beast would fit the bill perfectly 
but for the fact that it too had gone extinct some 40 million years ago. Is it possible these men had battled a snake as staggeringly large as they claim? Could a jungle full of monster snakes find enough to live on at this time? Well, I can't say. We're well outside of my wheelhouse at this point. While I feel fairly safe in claiming the Bagratus dragon wasn't a dragon in the mythological sense of the word, but some kind of giant snake, possibly greatly exaggerated in size by terrified legionnaires. All the same, that wide-eyed kid in me still wishes the world was just that little bit stranger. Thank you for listening. This has been Tales of History and Imagination. All episodes written and narrated by me, Simone Whitlow. All music, yours truly. Visit the show at historyandimagination.com. You can follow me on social media, links in the show notes, and get access to exclusive bonus content via my Patreon, also in the notes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a like on your podcatcher of choice and share the episode as word of mouth is the best way to help shows like this grow. See you back in two weeks' time for more tales of history and imagination.